Whitehead drives to the hole. Hangs and what? Isaiah Whitehead ties it up at 67. Outlet pass. Archidiakono front court slips. Fires and that's it. The Seton Hall Pirates defeat Villanova 69-67. And for the first time in 23 years, they're Big East Tournament champion. For the latest in Seton Hall basketball and Seton Hall athletics, this is Courtside Pirates with Chris Pazes. Miles Powell gives Seton Hall the lead with 1.1 second to go. What a shot by Miles Powell. Thompson shows it. Kale steps back, lets it fly. Pyong! Miles Kale, 84-83. And Seton Hall knocks off the number nine team in the nation. 84-83. What a win for the Pirates. This weekly podcast will recap every men's basketball game throughout the Pirates season. Pow! From Trenton! What Trenton makes, the world takes! With special guests along the way, Courtside Pirates will dive into the Pirates season after every game, giving you my thoughts and opinions as Seton Hall looks to return to the NCAA tournament. McKnight will inbound. Pow! They throw it up the Mamo! This is Courtside Pirates with Chris Pazes. With just one game to play this week for the Scene Hall Pirates, you would think this episode of Courtside Pirates would be a light one. But I can assure you, that is not the case. We have a jam-packed show for you, starting with the Big East announcing the rest of the conference schedule, Seton Hall's incredible showing on the road against Marquette, the return of the Yukon Huskies as the Seton Hall Lady Pirates had a much-anticipated matchup with them, and I will be sharing with you my love-hate relationship with Yukon, and much more on this episode of Courtside Pirates. But before we jump in, how about Shavar Reynolds? Wow, what a three by Reynolds to stifle Marquette with 34 seconds left in the game. And how about the surprise return of Bryce Aiken? It had been reported he would not be back until Providence on December 20th at the earliest. And here we are. Kevin Willard pulling a rabbit out of his hat. And Aiken is back on the court. There was also a major announcement by the NCAA waiving the sit-out penalty for all transfers, which makes Trey Jackson immediately available for the Pirates. We have a lot to cover on this episode of Courtside Pirates. And as always, if you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast and follow along on Twitter at Pazis. That is at P-A-I-Z-I-S for updates and new episode announcements. And above all, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to send me over some questions on Twitter that can be answered on the next episode. The Big East Conference has announced the remainder of the 2020-2021 men's basketball schedule, and Seton Hall will first make up its postponed game at Xavier on December 30th. The game was originally scheduled for December 15th, 
The Pirates will then continue league play on January 2nd against Butler at the Prudential Center. With this season being crazy already, the Pirates are slated to play an eight-game month of January. Eight games in that month. Following Butler, the Pirates travel to Creighton on January 6th and DePaul on January 9th, who have yet to play a game this season. And they really struggle to kind of combat this COVID-19 situation. The Hall will then return home to play Xavier on January 16th, which I feel is the start of an absolutely brutal stretch of six games for the Pirates. After Xavier, the Hall travels to Villanova on January 19th and Butler on January 22nd before playing at home versus Creighton on January 27th and Villanova on January 30th. The Pirates round off that brutal six-game stretch with road games on February 3rd at Providence and February 6th at UConn. The one positive to this is that by February 6th, the Pirates will have already played their road games against Villanova, Providence, UConn, and Creighton. That should really help them by the end of their conference schedule, should they survive that absolutely brutal six-game stretch. The Pirates will close out their last four conference games with Marquette at home on Valentine's Day, at Georgetown on February 20th, Senior Day on March 3rd against UConn, in their first appearance at the Prudential Center since 2013, I'm so hopeful that by then the Pirates will be able to have their fans in attendance in some capacity and give the team a home field advantage against the Huskies and give Sandro Mamoukalashvili, Miles Kale, and Shavar Reynolds the proper send-off they deserve. But we'll just have to wait and see. The Pirates will finally close out the season on the road against St. John's on March 6th before the start of the Big East Conference Championship. Overall, I think Coach Willard should be very happy with this schedule for the most part. From a travel perspective, especially this year, I think they have a very well-balanced schedule. And if they can get through that brutal six-game stretch that I discussed at the end of January and early February, they will be really in a good position to now start talking about that NCAA appearance And we'll talk about that for sure as the season progresses on Courtside Pirates. In other news this week, before the game against Marquette, the NCAA waived the sit-out penalty for all transfers, making sophomore forward Trey Jackson from Missouri immediately eligible. While he did dress for the game against Marquette, he did not play. But Coach Willer did say he will definitely get in the game against Providence. I'm really excited to see what he can bring on the court this year. But more importantly... Having him play behind the starters and developing his game to be a real impact player next year by his junior year. Coming into this game, Marquette had already defeated two top 10 teams and most recently rallied for an 89 to 84 victory at number nine Creighton in their Big East opener. And earlier this season had beat Wisconsin, who was ranked in the top 10. I'll have to be honest with you. I wasn't sure how I felt about Seton Hall coming into this game. I loved what I saw versus St. John's, but St. John's is not Marquette, and the Pirates were traveling on the road this time. The Pirates had won four straight games against Marquette heading into the game, and all I could think about was the game on March 12th at Madison Square Garden that never was. On March 12th, it was supposed to be Miles Powell versus Marcus Howard one last time in the Thursday night Big East Championship quarterfinal showdown. Even with the news of the conference limiting attendance to 200 fans, 
I was going to be one of those lucky 200 fans. I was going to be there. And I was very much looking forward to it. But then the severity of COVID-19 was increasingly more concerning, and the tournament and the season came to a crashing halt. There would be no Miles Powell or Marcus Howard on the court this week. And I really wondered, for both teams, who would step up and provide that decisive blow? Maybe it would be Theo John for Marquette, or the obvious choice, Sandro Mamoukalashvili for Seton Hall. Mamu did leave it all out on the court, leading the Pirates with 17 points in 39 minutes. But it was one of his seven assists in the game to Shavar Reynolds, with 34 seconds left in the game, that would prove to be the ultimate dagger in this one. Reynolds hit a wide-open three that broke a tie with 34 seconds left and then drained four straight free throws. He had the final seven points of the game to help the Pirates hold on to a 70-63 statement road win at Marquette. Seen Hall improved to 5-3 overall and 2-0 in Big East, having now won four straight games as they continue to reverse a difficult start to the season. And the Pirates have now won five straight versus Marquette and are 2-0 in Big East play for the fourth consecutive season. The Seen Hall Pirates had a school record seven Big East road wins last year. And they defined what being a road warrior truly was. But I, for one, didn't know how they would respond this year. It's a different team, different adversities. And in a very small sample size right now, they responded well. While Shavar Reynolds once again had ice in his veins and deserves praise for his 26 minutes and 11 points, this was truly a team effort. Jared Roden had 16 points just behind Mamu's 17. And while I was frustrated with him at times, especially when he was forced to use that final timeout, Roden continues to be so aggressive on the court, and you have to love that. By now, I expect him to lead the team in rebounds, which he did, again, by having eight. We've talked about that plenty here on Courtside Pirates. And I will stick to this statement. I still do not think we have seen the best of Jared Roden, and not by a long shot. And how about Miles Kale, who, yes, had 11 points, but was so efficient, going three for four from three and playing absolutely superb defense and dishing out some great passes. In a game the Pirates led for over 37 minutes, please tell me you felt the tempo of this game to just be fantastic. This was a fast-paced, defensive-focused, old-school Big East game. The Pirates had just 11 fouls in the game to Marquette's 15, and the Pirates were just fantastic defensively, scoring 17 points off turnovers, while Marquette shot just 40% for the night as the Pirates had a good mix of zone and press defense for the Golden Eagles. They really did a good job. You got to give Coach Willard credit. He got his guys ready to play. And this is now back-to-back games where the Pirates came out with very high intensity, something they've lacked early on in this season. Got to give Willard credit for getting games on the schedule for the Pirates. It's clearly shown that they needed to play. It's evident on this four-game stretch. All this, and there was still the surprise return of Bryce Aiken, who had not played since the season opener versus Louisville. Kevin Willard had been cautious in revealing the expectations of Aiken's return, but I think it is time to give head trainer Tony Testa a huge pay raise, because I do not think anyone 
but those on the team expected Aiken to be a part of this game versus Marquette. And give him credit. He logged 12 minutes and hit a big three on his first shot attempt. But my biggest concern on the court was him just getting minutes under his belt and avoiding an injury or re-aggravating an old one, which he did avoid. With Trey Jackson, the former four-star top 100 recruiting prospect, being eligible and the return of Bryce Aiken, the Seen Hall men's basketball team are now 2-0 in conference play and are poised to really build on this momentum with a deep and healthy team. The Seen Hall women's basketball team, who are without three players, including two key starters, which included Desiree Elmore, lost their first game of the season at home against Albany in a back-and-forth game, 71-66. Alexia Alish notched her first career double-double, while Lauren Park Lane had 15 points in 38 minutes, and Mia Jackson led the Pirates with 22 points while being named to the Big East Weekly Honor Roll this week after helping the Pirates earn wins in two of three games last week. Jackson had four three-pointers, three assists, and two steals to go with her 22 points versus Albany, but was not enough as Albany came out red hot and used an 8-0 run early in the game to take a 13-5 lead. Heading into the fourth quarter, after that back-and-forth affair, Albany led 47-44, but scored the first 10 points of the final quarter to take a 54-47 lead with just seven minutes remaining. Despite making it a one-possession game twice in the final 20 seconds, Albany held on for the 71-66 victory, which marked the return of head coach Tony Bazella back to the sidelines after he recovered from COVID-19. If 2020 wasn't crazy enough, and all the adversity the Lady Pirates have already faced, it is only fitting that the women's first Big East game of the season was the official return of the UConn Huskies to the Big East Conference. Now, I am biased. I do not like UConn. I respect their women's program and how incredible they are and have been for decades. But having been a student at Seen Hall during the final days of the old Big East, UConn was a team you were always ready to deliver your best broadcast at for WSOU. Regardless of the sport, I'm not just talking basketball, soccer, baseball, volleyball, you didn't want to just beat UConn. You wanted to embarrass them. Occasionally it happened, and it was magical when it did. I got to call Seen Hall Baseball's magical run in Clearwater as they defeated UConn, who had 11 players that would end up being drafted to the MLB that year from that team en route to winning the Big East Championship in 2011. And it was absolutely incredible. I was friends with a lot of the guys on the team, and it just made beating UConn that much better, especially going into the series when the broadcasters from UConn felt there was no way they wouldn't win. I've had the privilege and misfortune of interviewing Coach Calhoun, and I've seen Coach Calhoun walk off the court in disarray at his number eight ranked Huskies losing to Seton Hall at the Prudential Center over a winter break game. I was there. I was a fan that game. And for the few glorious positives I have seen, there have been plenty of letdowns. UConn was current students and fans, Villanova, and let that sink in. The old Big East, UConn was our Villanova. We wanted to beat them. Villanova, to me, didn't become Villanova until the new Big East started. 
On February 23rd, 2013, I experienced my worst broadcast of my career when I traveled up to Storrs, Connecticut to have to painfully call number three UConn, defeating the then Ann Donovan-led Pirates 90-30. to I mean, that game was ugly. It could have been 180 to 30, to be honest with you. That's how bad it felt. Senaw was coming off a win versus Providence, but freshman Brianna Stewart put up 16 points, and at that time, I did not know how great she would become and how lucky I would be to call one of her games my senior year. That game marked Coach Gino's 400th career Big East win, and that was back in 2013. What do you think he's going to do now that he's back? Before that, I watched in awe and called games that Maya Moore single-handedly crushed the Pirates at the XL Center and in Walsh Gym. And if you couldn't tell already, I am not happy UConn is back. If you cannot tell already, I am not happy that UConn is back. They tried in years past before the split of the Big East to sneak out like a weasel, only to now come crawling back to the conference. I will say, I think their return to the conference on a competition level is fantastic but I do fear it will impact the Pirates' recruiting for all sports, not just basketball. And the Big East just got a lot more crowded in the Northeast part of the country with their return. As for the latest game for the Lady Pirates, which, as I said, marked their return to the conference and the Pirates' first Big East game of the season, the Huskies, who came in ranked number three in the country, defeated the Pirates 92-65. The Pirates trailed by eight points in the half and played some tough defense, but UConn ultimately were just too much to handle. Park Lane recorded a career-high 29 points for the Pirates on 9-for-20 shooting from the floor and 9-for-10 from the line to go with a team-best six assists. But UConn defensively just showed how tough they are and why they are a top-five team this season. They out-rebounded the Pirates 41-34 to and outscoring the Pirates in the second half 54-35. to as they cruised to their 92-65 victory. And this was their first win back in the Big East, as the Pirates fell to 2-2 on the season and 0-1 in Big East play. I will say, though, getting one of the UConn games out of the way now may be the best news for the Lady Pirates. But rest assured, the next time these Lady Pirates face the Huskies, I will be sure to share some more memories from my experiences with UConn. This brings us to our closing segment, Courtside Perspective. In this closing segment of Courtside Pirates, I wanted to use this time not to talk about basketball or sports, but wish my mom a very happy birthday. This episode of Courtside Pirates launches on your birthday, and I just wanted to thank you for all of your constant support and enthusiasm for every broadcast I have ever done be it for WSOU, the Brooklyn Cyclones, and now Courtside Pirates. In a year that has been absolutely crazy, I hope this year is your best year yet, and I'm so excited we are able to celebrate today, even if your plans have to include watching Scene Hall vs. Providence at 4.30. But nonetheless, I am glad we can be together and celebrate you. Happy birthday, Mom. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, and search Courtside Pirates with Chris Pazis. Also, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Pazis and let me know what you thought about this episode and send over any questions you may want answered. The next episode will go live on Monday, December 28th, following Scene Hall's two home games versus Providence and Georgetown. Again, 
My name is Chris Pazis. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time on Courtside Pirates.